Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. You shall teach these words diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Deuteronomy 6 verses 5 to 7. This is the classic homeschooling verse quoted by many parents as to why they feel charged to take the responsibility of education into their own hands and not leave it up to others. For me, now I'm a grown mum and empty nester, I take it to me not only to teach my children, literally, but to witness wherever I can to whomever. Everyone I meet should be extended the good news that has stood me in good stead during my parenting and raising years. I can't tell you how blessed I was to have my children under my feet all day, every day. They were able to watch how my blue-eyed cowboy and I built a strong marriage, how we dealt with finances, how we shopped, paid bills and saved how we argued and resolved our differences, how we planned and worked together. I say they were able to watch, but how much they absorbed is an unknown quantity, because my married, blue-eyed son admits to telling the priest at one of his premarital counselling sessions last year that he had no idea how we patched up our disagreements, how we stretched a dollar, how we chose a piece of furniture or decided who cooked or what we ate. I have great faith that when the time comes for any of them to apply what they learned from living with us for most of their lives, something in their subconscious will bounce forward, and they'll have a deja vu moment. Teaching by example does work eventually. Hello? Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNinney, and I'm here to dispel the preconceived ideas many have about what educating our children at home looks like. For many, it's school. For me, it's my fulfilment as a wife and mother. I crafted a lifestyle that will leave me knowing, without a doubt, that I gave my all and I'm well pleased. Over the years, I've spoken to a wide range of mothers and fathers who not only place the responsibility of child-rearing above their highest joy, but they've also found they don't have to venture far from the kitchen table in order to find wholeness within themselves. Although my guest today is going a bit further than her backyard, but more about that later. Going against what everyone expects us to do in order to unleash the fount of happiness takes courage. You have to work at your own heart issues and find out how you can pursue your passions and live your dreams. God has equipped you with everything you need to live your life fully. It's all within. So listen up while I spout on about how I've jumped in and out of my box gaining insights and delights along the way that I'm happy to share with you. I enjoy the diversity of the culture we call homeschooling, an umbrella term embracing the learning that takes place outside the traditional education arena. With or without my children underfoot, my life is often ordinary, always busy and sometimes frustrating, but for me it starts and ends with God, the beauty of his creation, a smiling face, the rising moon, a rousing piece of music or a simple hug. If you pop by, I'll offer you a cup of PG tips to fortify this time together and a chocolate biscuit to tickle your taste buds. And thank you for staying. 
but I understand. You're on that side and I'm over here broadcasting from Hideaway, Texas. After the first break, I'll be talking to Renee Tugar, whose family is preparing to through-hike the Appalachian Trail starting in April. I'll be exploring what that means during the show and bringing you part one of the recorded conversation we had before things got too busy for her to take a break in her local cafe to chat with me. I'm all set, so grab whatever it is you're drinking and let me engage you with the latest and greatest from the household of the McNinnies, where we dreamed with our children and encourage them to be creative, responsible and upstanding citizens. Are you ready? As you know, my blue-eyed cowboy and I are homeless, and we've been that way for almost three months now. Every now and again I'll get a little bee in my bonnet about stagnating because there's absolutely nothing to do here. My patient gentleman tells me of words I use all the time. You are exactly where God wants you. And I groan. He's right. But doing what? And for how much longer? I can't sit at my desk and look at places to live or possible properties to buy. I have to go out there and experience them. To battle the boredom, we went to a town that proclaims itself to be the antique capital of East Texas. The 30-mile drive was pleasant enough through the Texas forest trails, and a lot of the shops were open once we got to Gladewater. After the third shop, we declared, You've seen one, you've seen them all. The antiques were utensils and knick-knacks we'd seen in our mothers' and grandmothers' homes. I suppose anything more than 50 years old is considered an antique, but not quite what we were looking for. We went and had lunch in a quaint little diner where I ordered my customary hot water. It was cold outside, and the waitress brought it in a tall, plastic glass. Afterwards, we drove around a little and spied a beautiful house on the edge of the railway track. On closer inspection, we read the plaque that told us it was built <clears throat> in the neoclassical style. I loved the wraparound porches, both on the ground floor and the first floor. I told my gentleman, I could live there. So our excursion wasn't completely wasted. I discovered the style of property I'd be happy with. We ruled out railway tracks and zero lots and put historic homes at the top of our list. This week we're visiting places and ruling out. Too far away, too isolated, not enough land, too far from the water. Lakes are good, but they don't come with land. The sea may come with land, but at a price. While I may be exactly where God wants me, and getting older by the minute waiting on his timing, my friend Renee Tugar and her family are preparing for a hike of a lifetime. In our conversation, which I recorded a couple of weeks ago, and will be bringing you in two installments, we cover the high points of the hike, all, the all at the preparation level, of course, since they've not started yet. In my ignorance of most things camping and hiking, I asked Renee some questions that got her thinking and opened up new thought patterns, or so she told me after the conversation. I said to her, I know a lot about camping, but there are people who are listening who may want to follow your video series of the hike who know much less than I do about living in the outdoors in a tent, for example. And she laughed and said it was helpful because she hadn't considered that she may have to be a little more basic for some of those not on the same page as she and her family, which is a lot of people, I'd imagine. Oh, aren't we homeschoolers an eclectic bunch? Renee Tugar has been my guest several times. Go to my site and search her name. She's a fascinating listen. She lives, for the next two months at least, in a house on the side of a mountain in the Gaspé Peninsula of Quebec in Canada. She's a lifelong homeschooler of three children. 
a preteen girl and two teens, another girl and a boy. Her husband, Damien, is a computer technology expert, and together they're a family of writers, designers, artists, engineers, homemakers, adventurers, readers, programmers, photographers, outdoor enthusiasts, and followers in the way of Christ. They sound just like my kind of people. That's why Renee is a frequent guest. As a location-independent family, they live, work, and play together all day, every day, and have been planning their six months away from the hearth together. As we speak, or as I speak, they're busy preparing for the adventure of a lifetime in many different ways, but I'll let Renee tell you all about it herself. For now, it's time for me to go on my first break. You're listening to The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet Radio, and I'm Vivian McNinney. Go replenish your drink and come back to hear part one of my two-part conversation with Renee Tugar at her local cafe. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, a live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework. Knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out MarkLipinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. Wednesday afternoon, starting at 3, 2 central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Renee, I know you're um, on the brink of an adventure, a very exciting adventure, I believe, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to tell us a little bit about that and a little bit about what is happening in your home and how much longer you have to have com- to complete before you set off. So um, I guess when we're talking here, Vivian, it's at the end of January, um, and we will have we have two more months before we leave for our big adventure. So we're leaving at the end of March. Okay. So you're leaving at the end of March and you've got two months of preparation, but you've got a lot to do because I've done that. I, I packed up everything in my house to go to England for a year. So I know that you're doing a lot of that kind of thing. So tell me what is going on in your house. You've got things going on that are going to be physical activity, things going on that are going to be like preparation mentally activity, and I don't know, I imagine you're dehydrating tons of food to take with you and that. So tell me what you really are doing. 
Okay. <laughs> so on some of those accounts, you're correct. And on other accounts, you're wrong. I hate to disappoint you. We are not dehydrating tons of food. It does sound so... I don't know, romantic, the notion that we're just, it sounds very homesteady, you know, mm -hmm. this idea that we're dehydrating lots of food, kind mm -hmm. of like canning or something. Mm -hmm. But we'll get into that later. But so there's a, a few fronts that we are getting prepared on. So we're doing a long hike. We'll be hiking for six months, um, our family of five. And so there's the actual hike preparations with which have to do with... Um, itinerary type stuff although our path is very clear we're hiking the Appalachian Trail but there's people who are helping us along the way who will be hosting us when we go through towns and so there's some of that preparation work and and I do a lot of that kind of thing um, so and then there's gear prep related to the hike of course we have to, we have specific gear specific kind of clothing the backpacks so but lots of that has already been done so that's kind of backburnered right now the big thing that we are doing right now is we are um, doing a Kickstarter campaign to help launch our video series because mm -hmm. what we're doing while we're hiking is we are producing a video series to share our hike with other people. Okay. And in order to do that, we did a Kickstarter campaign to kind of launch us um, in terms of the funds that we needed to kind of get that project off the ground so that we can actually produce a good quality video series for people to follow along. So a lot of our efforts right now aren't related to hike preparations, but related to this video series. Mm -hmm. Because it's this video series is actually a way for us to work well on the trail. I mean, we're not working the same way we work at home, but we are, my husband and I are online writers and um, bloggers, and my husband does computer programming work. And we had to have some way of working well on the trail, uh, not to the same extent that we do at home, but some way of bringing in some kind of income while we're hiking. And so we're producing a video series uh, that people can subscribe to and follow along. So most of our prep right now is about that. Mm -hmm. And so the rest of the family, homeschooling is just going on as normal right now or are the children, I mean, are the children excited? Is it distracting all of this? <laughs> Well, it's not distracting because it is our life. Mm -hmm. It's not like this. It's not like we are. It's all of our life. So it's not like I'm trying to do some other track on the side and mm -hmm. then this on the on a different compartment. It mm -hmm. kind of has taken over our life. Mm -hmm. And so we are doing some of our usual homeschool routines. Like I'm keeping up with the math um, because we're not going to be doing a lot of that while on the trail mm -hmm. except for cal calculating mileage and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but. But so we're keeping up with those things. But some of the other things that I spent more energy doing in the fall, like history and science, I am outsourcing those to videos. Okay. So, so some of that is just kind of like going on autopilot mode. Mm -hmm. And I figure my main three focuses when homeschooling gets uh, difficult, shall I say, because there's other stuff going on in life. My three focuses are reading, writing, and math. Yeah. And so those are the things that I make sure are happening on a uh, regular basis. And the rest is kind of, it, it happens sometimes and it's, it's not a big concern of mine. Um, but the, the, the thing with this, um, with, with this project we're doing is it's a family project it is part of our kids' homeschooling. It's part of their education to be a part of producing a video series. And none of us have ever done anything like this before. And so it's we're all learning. Um, 
a lot of their homeschooling right now then is doing things that are related to the video project. So um, on the computer, they are learning how to use different software. They're learning how to do video editing. They're learning things about audio, photography. So it's it's very, what we're doing um, in this video project is very much a part of their homeschooling. It's all integrated. Okay, so you're, you're on the trail, you've got a camera. I, I read somewhere that you'd bought a new camera. Now is that a still camera or a video camera? Well, um, yeah, last fall I got a different camera. It's lighter, it's mm-hmm. lighter weight. Um, we'll have a couple cameras with us actually, and it is a photography. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a, photo- it's a camera like that takes pictures, but it also does video. Oh, it does. And, okay. Oh yes, and my husband is the technical guy in our house, so I really can't speak to much of the like all the, you know, all the special features of that. <laughs> but but we have cameras that do both good photography. And video. Okay. So, but the main thing for me is that it's light because I'm thinking that you're carrying a lot of stuff with you because you've got um, your computers with you. Well, we're not going to have our full our full kit, like, okay. um, because what we're doing with this video project is we'll be taking the footage, but then we are working with a video editor, and we will ma- we will be mailing him our video uh, memory cards, okay. and he will be actually editing it and putting it together. Okay. Um, so we're not going to be doing that stuff on the trail. There's no way we'd have time. And we will have some iPads and uh, that kind of technology with us, but we're not going to have our full computers, you know, our, all of our usual technology. So on your video, uh, uh, do you have a commentary? Well, yes. We, the video is going to be available for subscribers. This mm-hmm. is one of the ways that we're going to bring in a small amount of cash flow mm-hmm. <laughs> while we're on the trail is that people will subscribe. And it, it's, it's a very nominal fee. It's $7.50 a month. Mm-hmm. Very affordable. Um, and and people that subscribe will absolutely be able to ask us questions and, uh, you know, that it'll be in either a comment form or something like that where people will be able to um, correspond with us that way and interact with us. Okay. All right. So you're, that's that's the video side. It's, that's not all the questions I've got about the video side, but I'm still into the, the little bit of this preparation. So I know you've been thinking about doing this trail for years. You and Damien have been have been you know he's he's had it on his back burner and it's gradually moved further and further forward until in the end you've decided that that's what you're going to do. Um, what else are you doing to get yourselves mentally and physically ready for this? Well, we've been doing uh, right now. I'm trying to think um, mentally. I've been going through a lot of just stuff over the past year mentally preparing for this. So it's it's been on our radar, and we've been thinking about it for it's. We've been committed to doing this now for almost two years. So we've been thinking about it for a while, and we've been reading books about it and kind of trying to prepare ourselves that way. And what, what we have read is that it is more of a mental battle, so to speak, kind of like the battles won mentally more than physically, even though it is a very physically um, challenging endeavor, it's completely doable and it's completely doable for children also. Um, So it's not like something that's not possible physically. It's, it's that your mental state is what will sabotage you more than, 
to physical. And what I'm finding is that that's just true for everyday life. Um, so it's kind of the same for everyday life, but in everyday life, you can um, make your physical environment more um, comforting, you know, because you have access to more things to make yourself comfortable. You don't have to worry about the mental stuff as much. So all that to say, you know, we, we are preparing ourselves as much as we can in terms of the reading that we've done, the actual preparations for it, but we're not going to really know what it's like until we're actually doing it. No. And the most that we can prepare ourselves is to go in expecting it to be very difficult. <laughs> like we are not going in to this thinking this is a family vacation and that it's going to be really easy. We still want to do it. We think it's going to be amazing, but we also think it's going to be very challenging at times. So I think one of the ways we're preparing is being as realistic as we can. Um, it's not just some pie in the sky dream idea about walking every day in the woods. It's going to be pretty grueling at times. And to go in it thinking that I think is probably the most mental preparation we're doing right now. Um, go ahead. Okay, so you're starting in Georgia. So is it going to be warm? Well, we're starting there the beginning of March, okay. so it's not warm, and you're up in the mountains, mm-hmm. um, and so it's cooler. Like, it'll be early spring conditions, and we will likely run into snow at some, like, it, it can snow in that mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. Did I say we're starting the beginning of March? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. We're starting the beginning of April. Okay. You've just given yourself a whole other month. <laughs> I know. So we're leaving here the end of March and we'll be starting the beginning of April. Okay. So the conditions at that time are spring hiking conditions, yeah. which will be sometimes there, there might, we might encounter a little bit of snow, but it won't last. And then it's spring. Oh, and it'll be beautiful. Yes. Oh. Well, when it's, when it's not raining, yes. <laughs> well, you know, I'm used to the rain. I mean, if you, if you had to wait until it didn't rain, you wouldn't do anything. So. Exactly. Um, so tell me then, um, you're, you're out and you're, you're going to be starting there at the beginning of April and um, you're going through Georgia and you're starting this trail. Is it a beaten path or is it a beaten path or are you going to have to sort of kind of trudge through undergrowth that hasn't been trodden? Oh, no, absolutely. The Appalachian Trail is a very well-trod uh, trail. Okay. It's, and it's clearly marked. Um, it's a, a lot of people use it. I mean, this is, this is a, a kind of a wilderness experience. We will be in places for periods of time where we won't encounter people for a few days. But the Appalachian Trail is, is certainly not Alaska wilderness. Mm. I mean, it's um, – but it, it's not it, – it's not like – um, it's not like the Camino Trail in Spain where you're always going through villages and things either. Okay. It's, you know, it's, it is out there, but it also runs through towns and those kind of things. Yeah, so you're expecting to meet people, I read, on the trail. Fellow hikers, do people live in those areas along some of those that 2,000 miles? Yes, well, we are looking forward to meeting people who are actually kind of looking forward to meeting us because they've known us online for years mm-hmm. and they would like to meet our family and they've offered us uh, places to stay and so there's so they live somewhere close to the trail and they've offered to come pick us up as we get it through a crossing point near their house and then you know let us do laundry at their house and take us into town to restock our supplies that kind of thing um, so we will be 
And that's just one of the things we're actually really looking forward to about it, especially our kids, um, just meeting people. We love meeting people. Mm-hmm. And if and if people weren't a part of this, we wouldn't want to be doing it. No. No. All right. So you're and I I'm just thinking, what if you want to get away from everybody for a moment? You know, I can go lock myself even just in my bathroom if I want to get away. What what are you what are you going to do? So on the trail, I think it's pretty easy. You just walk on ahead. <laughs> Go hide behind a tree or something. <laughs> you just you just put a couple miles between you and the rest of the family yeah. and be by yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have children, obviously, so we're going to feel that out. But um, we're used to spending all of our time together. Mm-hmm. We, Both my husband and I work at home and we homeschool. We're always used to being around each other. So we kind of know how to give each other space as it is um but i think we'll just i think and what i'll do is i will just uh walk far behind or walk far ahead mm-hmm. when i need a little mm-hmm. bit of space mm-hmm. and you're so you're both writers you both blog you both use your computers a lot your children i know use their computers a lot so this is going to be a big change not being able to do that are you you know are you going to be able to yeah. do it on a regular basis or not well, no and uh, it's it's uh, it's something that we are one of the things we're actually looking forward to about the experience. It will be difficult, yes, to to get into a different frame of mind. But what better place to do it than out there? Like in our everyday life, it's very difficult to disconnect because well, we need our computers mm-hmm. to earn an income. That's mm-hmm. how we live. Um, but it you know, there's kind of this part of me is really looking forward to it and another part of me is thinking I'm going to go through withdrawal for sure um, but we will have some devices with us because you know we we, we will have ebooks because all of us want to be reading it's not like we're going to leave behind those you know that kind of thing so we will have some connectivity and um, and we'll have to when we're in town stops with to support our video project yeah well you're going to have to plug in your camera charge it oh yes absolutely and my husband he's he's all taking care of all the charging and the battery mm-hmm. stuff because th- that's actually a really big concern because mm-hmm. there is quite a lot of battery <laughs> issues because yeah. it'll be it'll be like four to five days between our town stops yeah. Renee it's time for me to go on a short break you're listening to the sociable homeschooler on Tokenet radio and this is Vivian McNenny I'm talking to Renee Tugar and we're talking about her upcoming through hike on the Appalachian Trail with her husband and her family. We'll be back after these messages. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. 
from 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Renee, what if one of you uh, sprains an ankle or gets sick on the trail? What does your medicine backpack look like? Do you have one? Well, I don't have that kind of stuff packed yet, except we do. I mean, we've been hiking and backpacking for years. This is not like all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we we decide to hike the Appalachian Trail. So we have, you know, some basic um, skills that we have used before in the woods and that kind of thing. Um, And our little basic first aid kits. But I will be adding to that things like essential oils and some other things that, you know, to help deal with minor things. As far as if somebody really gets hurt, what people do that are, you know, are are doing a long-distance hike is they will get off the trail for a period of time, maybe just in a town. They will lay low for a week, even maybe, to let if it's like a sprained ankle, to let it heal. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's like a really serious thing, then we'd have to consider stopping but yeah. I mean that's like last resort yeah. um, but you know we've done a lot of hiking and we have never experienced any serious injuries and that's not to say that we never will but we, we are cautious in in the way we uh, maybe not cautious is the right word we're very attentive to our footwear for mm-hmm. one thing which mm-hmm. really contributes to you know ankle sprains and you're hurting your knees, hurting your back, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're taking all the precautions we can, but also knowing that there's no way we can prepare for every eventuality. No, obviously not. No. Yeah. And if you start to think about all of those things, then it's just all those what ifs. And I'm not a what if fan. It's kind exactly. of like, let's get out there and let's do it. I know. And you'd never go anywhere. <laughs> no, you'd you never wouldn't. do anything. That's so right. So we, we think about those things, but we, we're not letting them hold us back. We're taking the precautions and we'll deal with situations as they arise. Um, Going back, I remember what I was going to ask you about. um, You're not going to be able to blog or write. Are you taking a notebook journal? I'm sure you're taking sketch pads. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm totally going to be journaling. Mm -hmm. Um, The kids will be doing journaling also. I'm not necessarily requiring it. Like, it's not like a homeschool requirement. I, I, uh, I find, like, making my kids write is not a particularly effective way to endear them mm-hmm. to, to writing. Right. <laughs> but we write together a lot. So yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll be doing that. But journaling uh, will be a big part of, of maintaining my sanity for me because I have to write every day. Mm-hmm. So I will definitely be doing that on the trail and I'm not sure completely what it will look like. It will look like pen and paper, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll also be bringing a couple iPads and I think we might have a portable like those wireless little keyboard things Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so i might be able to use that also Mm -hmm. i'm not quite sure yet well i know i'm i'm a you know avid writer and i always used to write longhand until i got my first laptop about six or seven years ago and i thought i am never going to be able to write directly onto a computer i used to handwrite and then transcribe it and, and type it in 
And it took me months and months and months. But now I can't imagine having to put it all down in order because it's so easy on a computer to kind of move your paragraphs and your thoughts around. So you can just sit and write like crazy and then you can just go in and organize what you've written and get it into some kind of shape. But I was able to do it. I once was able to do it. So I'm sure you will be able to do it as well again. Well, that raises a good point, Vivi, and it might actually be a good discipline for Uh me. Like Uh it might actually be you know, we get used to using certain tools that make things really easy, and that's great. I, I love my computer. I love it, the things I can do on it. But, you know, I think it will be interesting to use a different medium, mm-hmm. <laughs> a different tool, mm-hmm. and see what happens with my writing. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe I will be less verbose. Maybe I'll actually <laughs> <laughs> be able to, to say everything in fewer words. That would be great. I know. Well, I, uh, that's what happens with poetry is you have to condense it. And so I love doing that. I, I, so I just type a load of stuff, a whole paragraph, something, and go, okay, how am I going to get that into two sentences and convey exactly the same meaning? So, yes, you're right. It'll, it'll maybe unleash another discipline within you. So. If it doesn't drive me crazy. Though. If it doesn't drive you. Well, you've got six months. I mean, you'll get used to it. Trust me. Trust me, you will. Um, Okay, so I'm going to talk about food because I can't imagine. I love love walking. I I don't have the opportunity to walk the great distances that you do with your uh, back. What's it called? Outback skiing, back. What what do you call that? Backcountry skiing that you do. Well, we backpack in the summer Mm -hmm. and then we do backcountry skiing in the winter. Yeah. 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 So, um, but you know, I do, I do a fair amount of walking anyway, but, um, I would imagine that I could manage all day long, as long as I knew that at the end there would be something really good to eat. So what are your plans in that respect? Because you said, you know, you may go as much as, as many as five days before you can go into a town to recharge batteries and maybe do laundry. So, so what what are your plans on that? Because you've got to carry your food. You're not yeah, going to exactly. hunt or gather, are you? I mean, you might <laughs> no. a little bit, but I'm sure. <laughs> no, this is not a hunting gathering expedition at all. That's that's actually not a very good leave no trace philosophy for you know hiking. Um, no, uh, backpacking. When you backpack, you have to take high energy, high calorie, and low. Uh, water volume foods. So what that means is um, a lot of dehydrated things mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of, I mean, you can actually buy dehydrated meals already prepared. Some people will prepare the meals themselves and then dehydrate everything. So there's that aspect. Then there's also getting things in town stops that um, will provide you the calories and the fat and carbohydrate and protein and everything you need um but they're like things like um uh, oats and rice and pasta and then nut butters and we don't usually eat lots of animal products but you know some people will hike with uh hard cheeses and things that will last for like the first day or so right not they're not gonna last (laughs) five days um our strategy is that we are going to oh i should before I say, share our strategy, our, our, our long-term aim for our life, like for what Damien and I want to do, is we actually want to go a lot of different places and have a lot of different experiences, and we don't want food to be the thing that holds us back. Okay. <laughs> like the idea that you have to spend 
it's just as much time preparing all your food for the thing as you know doing the actual expedition uh, especially if there's food available like if you're going somewhere that you know somewhere out in Alaska and there's no food well then you do have to prepare it all and have it all cached and drop it and all this kind of stuff um, in the case of the Appalachian Trail where there's town stops we will be and you know in small little places to get food we will be using whatever we can at those places um, that fits within our dietary the way we usually like to eat but we're going to be looking for definitely high calorie um, and high fat those kind of things that will keep us energized um, and then we're going to be supplementing that with uh, dehydrated vegetables and dehydrated stuff that you can actually buy from companies but we're going to buy it not pre-made like all mixed together because you can actually buy all kinds of meals that are already packaged up but they're really expensive mm-hmm. and um, and also they're full of all kinds of other ingredients that we don't want to be eating mm-hmm. and so we, you can actually buy a lot of dehydrated foods from companies that do this and then have them um, you have them shipped to a place and then you divvy it up and have it sent to the places that you are along the trail so that's kind of our overall strategy um, but it's still just like a strategy at this point and we're honestly going to tweak it while we're on the trail mm-hmm. um, but you know we're not we don't plan to go hungry in terms of <laughs> you know it might it might work if, if you're just a solo hiker but we have three kids to feed and so you know it's it's not like we're going to say okay well we, we're not eating supper tonight because we just you know didn't pack enough or whatever mm-hmm. um, but it is going to be a challenge to, for sure but you know we'll use what's available in town stops and also supplement with ordering dehydrated goods can you do a campfire can you light a campfire it depends where you are okay because you're walking through different sometimes you're in different national parks uh different state forests and different things like that it really depends on on what the rules are in the area you are so these dehydrated foods and low water foods how are you going to have to carry your own water um well there's actually a lot of water sources along the trail okay and the Appalachian trail is a very well documented trail with guidebooks and these guidebooks tell you, and they're produced every year, they're published every year with updated information, and they'll tell you where water sources are. Now, these aren't taps that you'd like turn on. This is streams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is like streams, and you, we have to purify it, and so we have stuff to do that. But there's water, You, unless it's really dry and or we're at the height of summer in some sections, we will be coming across water every day. So that's okay. not a big issue on the Appalachian Trail. In in other trails that go through more dry desert areas, it's a concern, but not so much for the AT. Okay. So you're not going to be carrying huge amounts of supplies and pots and pans and propane gas and that kind of stuff? <laughs> no. We will have two little pots. It's very... You know, this is one of the things I'm totally looking forward to about this, Vivian. Everything is so simplified. Mm-hmm. It's like two cooking pots. We each have a, a cup that's also a bowl and one utensil for eating with and I love that Mm -hmm. that's like that's just like it's just down to this very essence Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that we really wanted to do that we that really attracted us about doing a trip like this is that you distill everything down to the essence of what you need and we thought wouldn't that be an awesome experience to have with our kids 
so that going forward in their life, they always have that experience to look back to is like, wow, we did the AT and we only needed one set of clothes and a cup and a, and a little spoon and one pot and we survived, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's part of the, I, the thing I'm looking forward to. And oh, the thing I can't <laughs> wrap my head around is that you're not going to, you're going to be living in the outdoors pretty much all the time. I mean, you're not going to just be gone for a week or two weeks and then go back home. This is right. this is going to be your life. Your ten- Are you taking little tents? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. We'll okay. have two tents. Yes. Okay. So, so it's going to be your tent or when you go into a town, maybe they can stay with somebody. But maybe if you don't have somebody to stay with, obviously, then you're not going to do that. So how are you dealing with that? The fact that it's, I suppose you just deal with it one stop at a time. But I mean, now looking forward to it you know, a whole six months without four walls and a roof. Yeah, you know, I don't think about that part too much. There's just so much else on my plate right now that I don't think about, well, how is it going to feel to live in a tent? Mm -hmm. I will say that I love being in our tents. Uh, Like, some people have tent experiences that are pretty nasty because they use bad gear. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people have negative tent connotations because they imagine like leaky tents and rain and Mm -hmm. certainly we're going to have to deal with some of that stuff and I'm not saying I'm going to be like dry every single night however there's some really great gear out there and we have really excellent uh tents and and gear in general and um I you know we've done a lot of uh car camping and then backpacking and my favorite part is is the whole tent as my home I love it I, I really, I love that. And you can and carry now, it on your back. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to always feel that way the whole time through. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, I think I wouldn't be open to doing this if I really didn't like that part of the experience. And I, I always have. And, you know, that's a credit to my husband, too, because when he, a few years ago, this was probably more than five years ago, said, you know, I want to go do more wilderness stuff with you. I said, okay, I'm willing to do this, but I have to sleep well, and I want to be comfortable at night. So he did everything in his power and within our budget to make that happen. Mm. And it kind of sold me (laughs) because I've been really comfortable at night, which is when I think it matters. And and so I don't worry about that part. So you're not taking little camp beds. Tell me what the inside of your tent is going to consist of. How, what do you mean what it's going to consist of? Okay. Something um, kind of that you inflate to lie on like a mat. Okay. I mean, yes. hopefully your video is going to address all of this because yes. you can bet your life that there are people out there that don't have a clue about what you're doing. And I'm one of them. And I probably know a little bit more than some of these other people. So, Right. So the inside of the tent is simply you have an inflatable mattress mm-hmm. and you have a sleeping bag and this is the key the sleeping bag stays dry all the time so you take really good care during the day that even if you're hiking in rain you have a system in your backpack where the sleeping bag is always dry okay um so that in nighttime you have warm dry sleep okay so um and so the inside of the tent is just these pads that we all will carry and then you inflate and you have sleeping bags and we have fabulous sleeping bags and um, you have, your pillow could be a little another inflatable, or in my case, I just I have a, a extra puffy jacket. I just put it in this kind of little specialized pillowcase thing, and that's my bed. Um, 
I mean, that's that's pretty much it. And then whatever, you know, obviously on our person, we have little headlamps and, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But So you and Damien in one tent and the three children in another tent, or how is that well, working? Well, probably more like the girls in one tent and da- okay. and the boys in the other, except when maybe Damien and I need some privacy. Yeah. But I'm not going there. I can't eat that part. I cannot imagine. <laughs> Well, that's all I have time for this week. I have to go on my final break. You're listening to The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet Radio, and this is Vivian McNinney. I've been talking to Renee Tugar, and in a couple of weeks, you'll be able to hear part two of our conversation about how she and her family are preparing to through-hike the Appalachian Trail starting in April. I'll be back in just a moment. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear these latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, I think you'll agree Renee brings her love for intentional family living, enthusiasm for the natural world, and a passion for lifelong learning to everything she does. I was talking to Renee Tugar, a homeschooler preparing to go on a through-hike along the Appalachian Trail. In a couple of weeks, I'll bring you the second part of our conversation when we'll be talking about plans to make a video series to bring the experience to us online. They recently raised the money for this video series on Kickstarter, an all-or-nothing crowdfunding site. Congratulations and yay, the video series gets to be made. Renee and her family live on a mountainside in Quebec. She and her husband are location independent and have decided to use the gift of not being tied down to an office desk and staff and PTA meetings to take their children on a momentous hike. They love the outdoors and spend time each week backpacking, hiking, skiing and walking. The real preparation will start in earnest when they reach the AT, Appalachian Trail, where they'll start slowly and build their physical and mental strength. You can find Renee at www.finby.tugar.net, blogging about the upcoming adventure, and Damien at www.tosalad.com, where you can read all about the through hike. I have both of those sites linked on my front page on my radio show and my personal blog, The Sociable Homeschooler. 
I was inspired to do a little of my own investigation about the Appalachian Trail, so I popped over to Damien's site, where there's a lot of good information. Go check it out. It's all about minimal footwear and other outdoorsy fun. Where is the Appalachian Trail? Well, it runs from Georgia to Maine, or from Maine to Georgia, depending on how you look at it, and which way you go. Renee and her family, husband Damien, and their children, age 11, 13, and 15, are starting in Georgia, where it'll be spring and gorgeous in April. They estimate their arrival in Maine to be sometime in September. They have six months any longer, and they run into visa requirements. They're from Canada, remember? The trail is 2,000 miles, no motorised vehicles allowed, strictly Shanks' pony. That's a long, long walk. In fact, the rather lofty term trail is described as a footpath in the literature. Now, footpath sounds awfully quaint in English to me. Rather narrow, that's the picture that comes to my mind, you know, single file. It goes up and down through the Appalachian mountain range in the east, Sounds like I'd be doing a lot of huffing and puffing. It passes through 14 states, although it barely scrapes some. But don't call me on that. I was just looking at a map over on Damien's website where Renee is also a contributing editor, by the way. So what's the big deal about the AT, as families fondly call the Appalachian Trail? People hike it all the time. Some through hike it, which means hiking the long distance from start to finish. It's not as if the Tugar family is blazing the trail. People, individuals and couples may make this trail a lot, but not families. Renee and her husband are taking their three children along on the walk, as I said, and the youngest would be 11, the oldest 15, with a 13-year-old boy in there. They could hardly leave them at home, could they? Because, well, they're packing up their home and storing their belongings in the place they're coming back to. No house-sitting for the Tugar siblings. Sorry. Forget the wild man experiment my sons conducted while we were away on our adventure for a year. And joshing aside, Renee tells me the children are as invested in this adventure as they are. I told you, homeschooling is a unique lifestyle, and traversing the AT sounds like a must-do to me, well, for this group of peeps at least. I can hear you asking the question, but why? We get the idea that families don't do the trail, but that isn't reason enough to undertake such a huge homeschool project. A little shallow, if you ask me. Why are you doing this exactly, Renee? Well, because we want to show that it's not just for couples and singles. Families can make the trail, too. I don't think so. Why are the Tugar family uprooting and doing the through-hike? I have to admit, from the day I heard about the AT, about my tenth year of living stateside, I wanted to do it or at least a part of it. Happily, my Texan saved me, because he wouldn't even entertain the thought of taking such a long walk. However, I have a friend who wants to to hike the trail, and a son who would jump at the chance if I were to find funded, so there's hope for me yet. I do meet some of the requirements for why people want to hike along the Appalachian Trail. I'm an empty nester, kind of retired from homeschooling and raising, and my son may want to find himself. Renee says most people don't attempt through hikes as family unit, smack dab in the middle of the child-raising, educating, income-earning years. She's right there, but then most people don't travel around the world, take off in a 47-foot boat, ride a bike 3,000 miles on the Pan American Highway with their children, either. However, if you've followed my series about travelling homeschoolers, you'll know that some of us do. Here is one of Renee's answers to why to the why question tape, taken from their website 
toastsalad.com. Renee and her husband Damien see the through hike as the next step in their family hiking journey. Since their youngest was a toddler, they've been taking jaunts that developed into a once-a-week commitment. I'm glad she said once a week because I usually don't do anything unless I can do it every day. I'm such an obsessive. Maybe that's why I can't get my books finished, the ones I'm writing. I want to work on them every day. And when I can't, I go weeks without working on them at all. And then I get despondent. Perhaps once a week would be a more regular and realistic goal. Thanks, Renee, for the insight. I'll be bringing you more about this inspiring family in a couple of weeks, together with part two of my conversation with Renee. So keep an eye on my website and uh, you'll want to tune in to hear more straight from Renee's perspective. And that's it for another week. Time does fly when there's no one to interrupt me doing my favorite thing, talking about homeschooling and the incredible doors it opens for parents and their children. We're traveling ourselves this week, checking out locations and properties. I feel like a film scout. Thank you for listening to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and I'll be back same time, same place next Friday. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hard-working staff at Tokenet Radio, my producer Sabrina, my guest this week, Renee Tugar, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Anne, Rosemary, Kathleen, Esme, Millicent, Margaret, Jacob, Walter, Jane, Olivia, Tina, and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Stay tuned all the time and catch lots of great shows to help you through your day. Take care and be safe. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Number 6, verses 24 to 26. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNenny on Toginet. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who were willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So, we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNenny. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.